How old do you have to be to do what you're passionate about? This is episode 198 with Casey Adams. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. And today we sit down with Casey, who's been in the entrepreneur space since he was 17 years old, when his athletic career suddenly got stopped short. Fast forward just a few years, and Casey has interviewed the likes of Larry King, Rick Ross, May Musk, and Robert Greene, all before he was 20 years old. On top of that, he's co-founded Media Kits, a SaaS platform that's allowed creators to easily share their creator analytics that updates in real time. It was such a good idea that Media Kits recently got acquired, and Casey now has his hands on a couple different projects as he considers next steps. Quick one for you. As someone who's moved around seven times in the last five years, I know how hard it is to find new experiences and more importantly, friends, each place that life continues to take me. That's why we've created the Forever Athlete Social Club, a membership platform with curated experiences that help you grow closer to yourself and those around you. As a member of the Social Club, you'll receive a weekly experience to go and try in your community, as well as meet up events and opportunities to introduce you to like-minded individuals. Now, this isn't your cheesy alumni group filled with awkward conversation and overwhelming self-promotion from that one dude from high school that's just trying to help you get passive income in your life. No, the Social Club is a vetted, safe space for you to be your authentic self and grow with a like-minded community all over the world. Come join the free platform over at foreverathletesocialclub.com and start making teammates for life today. Today's conversation explores the how behind Casey's early start, what he sees happening in the NIL, name, image, and likeness space for athletes, and much, much more. So let's dive into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Casey, man, how you feeling? Welcome to the show. Feeling good, Corey. Thanks so much for having me on today. Super excited for it. Yeah, man. We were just talking offline a little bit of uh, mixing up both of our routines this morning. So interested to see how this goes from our, our normal routine. <laughs> totally. No, it's, it's been a good day and excited to dive into this. As you said, first meeting of the day, first conversation. So I'm feeling good. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Let's Let's start with kind of backtracking a little bit. Um, since you and I got connected, I thought it was so cool just organically at Little Lunch, of course, of all places. That's where all great connections happen, it seems, these <laughs> days in, in LA. Um, and just hearing bits and bits of your pieces of your story, I was like, this dude is really, really fascinating. You have a very eclectic background. You do you have your hands on a lot of different things. Um, but it sounds like it wasn't always that way. Um, like a lot of the theme on this show, it is usually like, oh yeah, well, athletes, we have that one thing that we stick to. And then something typically happens to us where it's kind of forced upon us to be like, okay, go figure out what that ever that next thing is. So I want to backtrack first and foremost and start where I like to start a lot of these conversations. But dude, talk to me about your sports journey. Like when did you first find sports as a whole? And then when did that progress into football was the main focus for you, right? Yeah. So football was the main focus towards uh, like middle school, high school. And then which mm. then I get like, getting injured, which I'll talk to in a, in a moment, but you know, sports were by far the biggest, uh, the biggest, it had the biggest impact to me as a child. Right. I grew up in a family of three brothers. I was the youngest and, you know, growing up, that's the first thing I remember doing, truthfully. I, I put on a pair of hockey skates when I was three years old, four years old. I remember it so vividly. My parents have pictures of me, like, skating around the hockey rink, being, like, this three-year-old anomaly. They're like, how is he skating so great right now? It was just so, like, crazy at the at the time. And it was influenced through my brothers, right? Like, two of my brothers, what, they're both two years, one's two years older than me, the other four years older than me. And I always wanted to just follow their footsteps early on when it comes to the sports aspect. So hockey was that first big sport and passion of mine, literally from age like three, four, five, when I started getting into it. And then I played hockey for 10 years. I, I think I stopped playing when I was like 14, 15, played travel hockey, traveled all up and down the East Coast. And then that led to lacrosse, which I played um while I was also playing hockey towards the tail end, like started playing mm. lacrosse when I was like 13, 12 years old, played that for five years uh, into high school. And then lacrosse led to football. And 
you know, that mentality of just becoming great at something and excelling, um, sports gave me that outlet and it just gave me such an identity and, and something that I love doing in terms of getting better and competition and working with a team and everything that embodies um, sports today and for those who play it. So it's sort of like the three three sports that really had an impact on me. You know, I, I played, I tried baseball, I tried soccer, um, I did cross country and nowadays I love running, mm. but those three sports in particular, hockey, lacrosse and football were like my big three. Yeah, man. I was, you live in a pretty great place to run. You know, I do miss <laughs> running around LA. It's a little bit hotter yeah, in Austin. Totally. Um, yeah, man. I always love to explore that because did you ever find at one point or at some point where you had mentioned that identity piece, I'm always fascinated with how sport can often be this playground for us to play around and discover who we are in the first place. Usually, you know, for me personally, like it was the place that gave me confidence. I didn't really feel that way. I would joke with some friends. I was like, dude, I would have my chest up high, head held high on the pool deck. And then everything outside of that, forget about it. Like not really <laughs> confident outside of the walls, of the pool. Um, and then at some point, right, like this sport, this thing allows you to find yourself and then it slowly tide begins to turn. It becomes all of who you are. Did you ever have a moment of that? Or were you pretty good about kind of making sure you were multifaceted? It sounds like you had multiple sports, I think, which probably helps, but I'd love to hear your experience there. Yeah, I think there was absolutely a phase, um, especially early days in like my childhood growing up where like hockey was my life. It was on the weekends, all day at the rink. It was every day after school, after I would do homework and then I would go to the rink. Um, some of them for just practices, some of them just by myself at this local rink where our, our team would practice. We could go there whenever. Um, and it, it was such ingrained in who I am and like thinking back on it like cognitively when I could remember like six, seven, eight years old, six to probably 12. Mm. Like, I, I was at the hockey rink probably six days a week and prepping for, uh, you know, the travel season. And it was so ingrained in my family. We had, you know, all the, I, you know, our, our parents, my parents loved getting us the, the hockey nets and all the equipment at home and um, like on the driveway, just playing all day and practicing, like, you know, putting in those 10,000 hours. So I think there was a moment where like hockey and sports was everything to me. I had my hockey friends, my mom and dad had their friends that were on, you know, the parents of the kids mm. that I played hockey with. We were there every day. And then as my brothers and I, you know, started growing up and, you know, my oldest brothers stopped playing anymore. And then my middle brothers started, started playing lacrosse. Then I, like to your question, started to really broaden my horizon. I think like not only as a, child that was growing up just so ingrained in hockey and sports but just seeing like oh like how, I want to excel at the order oh I want to go try this and really just branching out and then you know I think it very quickly switched moving into like high school when I got injured playing football where that identity which I, I can I can start diving into now in a moment of when I got injured playing football I'm in this neck brace for six months I'm depressed like that I die that identity of of a of an athlete of a football player instantly was ripped away from me which caused me to go down this rabbit hole of discovering like what am I going to do what am I going to identify with where do I want to spend my time and that's where I led uh just fell into the world of business entrepreneurship self-development and that was the the organic shift that I didn't see at the time it mm. just happened super organically through my curiosity of wanting to learn a new skill set and really started to think about my future more seriously when I was, you know, 15 years old. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, helping you simplify your therapist search in a way that makes getting you the help you need easy. Therapy isn't just for when you find yourself in a dark hole with nowhere to go. I've personally found it helpful to connect with a licensed professional on a frequent basis to proactively talk through the puzzles that I'm actively solving in my life. And thanks to BetterHelp, you as a listener of the show can try therapy today for 15% off your first month. Head on over to BetterHelp.com slash ForeverAthlete. That's BetterHelp.com slash ForeverAthlete today to learn more and connect with a therapist that understands you. Now back to the show. That was going to be my question was like at 
walk us through at 15 kind of what was that thought process like um and if you could backtrack like just pre-injury kind of paint that picture of like who you were what happened right after you know what was that moment that changed and then who you became afterwards that process so i think that's so critical when i learn more and more about your story it's this beautiful transition and it's a huge testament to it doesn't matter how old you are you know things are going to happen to you in life but then it does become on you to are you going to be a living in victimhood of that thing for the rest of your life or can you become a victor of this circumstance and while the original vehicle that you were driving might not be the same one anymore you can find other ways to quote unquote find success you know what i mean absolutely yeah yeah so the the injury really taking a step back you know it's one of those things that i would say it's a blessing in disguise right um it was the summer going into sophomore year of high school i'm 15 at the time um you know super getting ready for the season you know you've been training summer camp high school football it's it's grueling in terms of the the work you put in to get prepared for the season. And it was the first day of hitting practice where everyone's getting their pads, you get your helmet, you're getting all suited up, you go down to the field, you start doing some hitting drills, which is like a fun day, everything's starting to heat up and the season's about to begin in a couple of weeks when school starts. And I remember so vividly, it's this one drill called the V drill where it's just you and an opponent, you're down and whistle blows and your goal is to take the other person to the ground. and it was in the moment where like how this all happened was I was taking this guy down and he ended up sort of spinning me and my chin strap, my helmet was looking back. Now it was too loose where my chin strap sort of came up like way up on my face. Mm. And therefore my helmet was sort of tilted against my spine. And then I landed on my back and the doctor said, after I, I get into the, you know, the injury said it guillotined my spine. That's how I described it. But, you know, it wasn't one of those injuries that that happened and I was rushed to the hospital. That injury, like I hit the ground. I knew something was wrong, excruciating pain in my neck. But, you know, I, I was able to get up and I was like, coach, like I got to call it today. This does not feel right. So instantly, you know, like halfway through practice, that happens. And I'm like, oh, in the moment, I didn't ex- uh, expect it to be some catastrophic injury that would, you know, end my football career. But it was. And the next morning I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I cannot move my head. Like not even an inch to the left or right without having a crazy pain. So mom brings me to the doctor. They're like, oh, let's, let's get an x-ray. So do an x-ray. And I'm this 15 year old kid that is just ha- always having a positive mindset. And even though I'm in pain and upset about what happened, I'm like, oh, I'll be good in a couple of weeks. Like this is just a hiccup. And I'll get back to it. You know, being so ingrained in that identity of an athlete and getting prepped for yeah. the season ahead. That's all you're thinking about is like, I'll be good. Let me recover. And doctor comes in and he's like, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Good news is um, you are not paralyzed and you know, you're obviously walking and that's good. Like, oh wow, sure. <laughs> bad news is um you uh, you were diagnosed with inner spinous ligament damage. You can never play football again or we would highly advise against it. And you have to be in this neck brace for six months and, you know, depending on how you recover. And in that moment, it didn't really process, right? Like you hear this and you're like, Oh, what? Like, this is not what I was, I was expecting. And like right away, he's showing me how this neck brace works and how it functions. And my mom's like, Oh my gosh. And then, you know, I walk out of the doctor that day wearing this neck brace. I think I still have a picture that my mom took that day and like in that moment of course I wasn't thinking how that moment was going to transform my life and lead me to this world of business and entrepreneurship but I just ended up going down this deep dark hole over the course of the next two three months of I'm depressed I don't know what to do with my life I'm I'm angry at my parents for some reason you know like why me why is this happening Mm. Uh, you know going to school as school starting in this neck brace my sophomore year, I can't play football ever again. I'm denying it at first, but it was just not, it wasn't good. And, you know, that was what happened. And looking back, it's crazy to think, even still to this day, it blows my mind that, you know, if that didn't happen, I don't know where 
I would be today um, or what I would be doing, but that absolutely set me down the path of, you know, coming out of those two, three months of depression is when I was just spending all this endless time on my phone, on YouTube, going down rabbit holes, like any 15, 16 year old kid would when in their free time and stumbled upon all these different entrepreneurs and people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Tony Robbins and these people that I was um, very curious about and nearly right off the bat and just mm -hmm. dove into their content, started buying some books that they were recommending or their books that they wrote. And that was really the spark that gave me this sense of passion and direction. And I just went all in on self-development and went down that rabbit hole. And then, you know, looking back six months into that journey, I came out on the other side out of that neck brace, a whole different person, a whole different person, someone that's saying, Hey, like, how can I start making money online? How can I build a personal brand after reading Carrie Vaynerchuk's book, crushing it? How can I learn marketing? How can I build the skill set of, you know, charging businesses for me to run their social media accounts? Like it was all these ideas just flowing out of, yeah. uh, of my mind from immersing myself in this space online and finding this sort of echo chamber of content that I really enjoyed and that I was curious about. And that was the beginning of this whole journey that I've now been on, you know, for almost five years or so now. And it was just you know, one step at a time, right? Like I didn't have this grand vision of going to start a tech company and raising capital and having an acquisition or interviewing all these, you know, 500 entrepreneurs on my podcast or didn't even know what a podcast was at the time, but it was just this innate curiosity that led me down this path. And, you know, 1% a day just completely changed the direction of my life over time. So that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that it's not like, Yes, in some senses, there was one pivotal moment, right? Like we can pinpoint practice, accident, mm -hmm. the exact drill, but the transformation was a series accumulation of moments after that. I got to be curious, man. Um, so I had a, a somewhat similar overall experience of I had a, an unknown heart condition where I had to go to high school for a few months where I was wearing like a permanent EKG monitor. So I was feeling like the electric, the electrodes and the wires hanging off me. And I mean, you know it. And when you're in high school, you're already like self-conscious a little bit of like how you look, how you're feeling. To me, I was like, holy crap, I, people are going to think I'm the weirdest thing. I got some wires hanging off of me all the time. I can imagine probably some similar experience or similar thoughts going through your head, going into a pivotal year of development of sophomore year wearing a neck brace like what was that like and it was there ever a point where you're just like all right cool i'm gonna own this like yes i might physically from the outside look like i'm broken in this neck brace but i'm gonna own this and like it's not a permanent thing yeah no, it, it was definitely you know awkward at times but i, I think that like my friend group and peers like i i owned it from the beginning after i went through that like those two months where I was depressed, it was really before school started mm. and I was getting used to it and understanding it. I had to sleep in it. I had to do everything in it besides shower. So like by the time school started, I was just like, okay, this is the reality. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to own it. It's, it's funny. And I sort of embodied that. I didn't, I didn't make it. Um, I wasn't the, uh, I wasn't making it something that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sad about this or people are going to make fun of me. I, I had an, an you know, uh, the self-confidence where I thought it was funny and it's, you know, I'm, I'm cracking jokes about it, but you know, there's absolutely times where it's just like, Oh, like, this is awkward. I, I can't look down at my paper. I have to ask someone to reach down and grab something for me. And it's just like, it can be awkward for sure. So, but I, I totally, uh, I embodied it. And looking back at the pictures I have are hilarious. And it, it was just a funny thing. Every time I now see someone in a neck brace, I, I try to say hello. It's so relatable. And, you know, the percentage of people that spend that amount of time in a neck brace, I would say are very slim. Yeah. So, and maybe someone has put on a neck brace and you're like, oh, wow, like that's very different. You just feel like, you know, it's like a, it's a mechanism where like you now appreciate the micro movements of turning your head to look at, like, look, look down the street or like little things that you just can't even, uh, you wouldn't even think about unless you've been in that situation for a long period of time but yeah no it, it definitely was a funny instance like back and I had to grow into it over the course of a couple months yeah 100% I, I love that 
you were able to find some humor in that. Eventually, <laughs> that turned to me as well. I was like, dude, I'm just like such a badass that I got freaking wires <laughs> on me um, over time. Right? Yeah, dude. You, you learn to shift the narrative in your favor in a way that better serves you, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is is huge. The other thing I'm hearing kind of as you were sharing that story was this idea that, you know, oftentimes we need things to happen. And sometimes on the surface, we look at them and they're like, that was the worst thing. I could have ever happened in that moment. Like, why couldn't I just be a normal 15 year old that just <laughs> had a, you know, a normal high school football experience going to the season, like just like everyone else. Um, but it's these pivotal moments that actually force us to pause long enough to then create space for maybe something more, something greater. And you did exactly that with the downtime, so to speak. Have you ever heard of the, um, like the athlete recovery method versus just like the, the standard hangover uh recovery method i don't think so no so when an athlete gets injured oftentimes whether it be a certain location so for you neck right or for for me you know having some heart issues kind of encompasses a little bit more but broken wrist broken ankle same deal it not all hope is lost there is a period where you are hit with that harsh expectation or that harsh reality of like okay you can't do the things that you were able to do, but then you don't sit and dwell on that. You typically then start to shift focus and say, okay, well, what can I do instead? My neck might be offline, but my brain still works. So like grateful for that. Let me consume as much information and knowledge as I can to build some neuroplasticity, build some new habits, build a better foundation to go from and grow from there. Whereas the the regular recovery uh, method, the hangover recovery It's like, yeah, you wake up on a Sunday morning, you feel like garbage. And what's the first thing you do? You probably get a bacon, egg and cheese sent to your house. And like, you just continue to fuel your body with, and you treat it as like, oh my God, I'm hungover. And so I can't do anything today. I'm a shell of myself. And you live in that and where that typically feels better in the moment, giving into that, right. And just feeling sorry for yourself. And everyone is totally entitled to that part of the process as well. But with time, you do need to move on to uh, focusing on the things that are still online and that you can do. Uh, You had mentioned Tony Robbins, Gary Vee, all these guys being really early mentors to you, for lack of a better uh, term. When did that start to pivot to realizing, like, oh, I I need to build more formal relationships with these kinds of people, and I'm going to start with... Like, what's the origin story behind the Casey Adams show? I'm I'm curious to yeah. know. Was it just curiosity, and then an excuse to get in the door with these people? Yeah. So, really, the whole reason I started the podcast sort of happened after a year of meeting people and asking myself, you know, how do I have deeper conversations with them? How do I build deeper relationships? And it was literally reading Gary Vee's book, crushing it. The last chapter was about podcasting, mm. and I'm like, ah. Oh, let's do this. But like prior to that, like the re- when I say like, oh, I was meeting a couple of people. So I got injured in uh, 2016, I believe. And late 2016 is when I like, really found this whole new world of entrepreneurship. And then going in 2017, um, I was telling my story. I was on social media. I had, I was trying to build my personal brand, all that stuff. And I ended up meeting a friend of mine, Caleb Maddox, young guy that I am still friends with to this day. And he ended up inviting me to this event in San Diego where he was speaking. Um, we, you know, we were probably friends for a couple months then. And I ended up going to San Diego. I meet Caleb, I meet all these people, people that I'm still friends with to this day and, and have now invested in my company and people I have had on the podcast. But all of 20, I say that because all of 2017 was this, uh, this idea for me of, let me just put myself out there. And I became obsessed to the point where, you know, after this event, uh, this quick story was I DM'd Ty Lopez on Instagram, who was someone that I was learning social media marketing from. And he ended up seeing the DM and was like, Hey, like cool story. I told him about my neck brace and how I kind of fell into this whole rabbit hole of digital media and marketing. He ends up flying my mom and I out to Los Angeles. That was my first time in Los Angeles, like three weeks later. And 
and I, I'm skipping a couple of days of school. I'm selling my mom on, hey, like, come with me to this thing. I promise it's not like a creep. Like, come on. Like, she doesn't know what this whole world is. I'm just like in my room on my phone. Like, we just met on the on internet. Instagram. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so finally, you know, she talks to their team. They fly us out. My mom's never been to California. So it was this big thing for me at the time when I was uh, 16. And from there, it was just this mindset of, wow, I've met a couple people, Dan Fleischman being one of them. He was always doing these events in Los Angeles. So like every other month in 2017, I would skip like four or five days of school, have to sell my parents on that, reinvest money that I was making from like an agency or affiliate marketing back into flying out to California to go to these events. And sometimes I would like fly in on a Friday and fly back on a Sunday, like two nights crashed on a buddy's couch that I met on social. My mom was like totally sketched out and get back to Virginia. And I did that so frequently, like six, seven times that year, to the point where I had these relationships to, to your question of when I started the show, it was because I was meeting these people and I wanted again to have these deeper relationships. So I looked to the podcast and the podcast sort of came at a time where it, it fueled me and allowed me to uh, excel, right? Like some people, I, I think the biggest thing when you're getting started is just in anything, right? Like picking that one thing and just going all in on it for an extended period of time, whether that's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, like starting a software company, right? You need to find the right engineers, the right designers, go get investors, or maybe you're bootstrapping it, but you have to just do the necessary things that require you to actually put something live and have that momentum that I think is super important in the early stages of, of building anything is like, how do you get a little bit of momentum, right? So this is right around the time Gary Vee was launching his sneaker deal with K-Swiss. I ended up getting like a five minute meeting or 15 minute meeting booked with him in New York City in early 2018. And this was right when I started my podcast it was late 2017. So I had like two, three months before I had this meeting with Gary and I told myself, I was like, I want to do 60 interviews in 90 days or maybe it was 70, whatever it is. And then I just went into full like organic DM outreach mode where I was reaching out to people, people I met at events, friends of mine that are now like business partners. Um, and I just started knocking out interviews like right off the bat, did 60 and 90 days, got the bug for interviewing, having conversations, like learned a lot about what not to do when interviewing people and sort of started to master my craft a little bit and just learn a lot about how to have organic conversations with people uh, when it comes to like an interview format. And after meeting with Gary, you know, he just gave me a piece of advice. He's like, you've done all the right things. You've had these type of people. You've, you know, you've slid in the DMs, you're building the brand, you're part of the content, just keep doing it. And like outside of him saying that, I was really just so passionate about meeting people, right? Like I come from a as I said about earlier in this uh, this podcast, I come from a small town in Virginia where I didn't know anyone in the business world. None of my family is in the business world. You know, my mom's a special ed teacher. My dad's worked at uh, Philip Morris, a tobacco company for 30 years. And they've taught me so many incredible things about how to be a great human, gratitude, like hard work and persistence, but the actual intangibles of running, operating and, and scaling a business and all the, all the things that you need to learn there. Right. I, I didn't go to college. So for me, it was like, how do I meet people that I can learn from? And how do I build this network of people that are going to, that I can bring value to and, and vice versa for the rest of my life. And that's what I became obsessed with, like meeting people, understanding their stories, figuring out how I could help them in any facet of connecting them with someone, whatever it may be. And, you know, it'll be five years in December since I started the show and, and I've done just over 400 interviews and it's just been crazy in terms of the level of people I've been able to sit down with, even for myself, right? Like I was the last person to interview Larry King back in 2019 to having Elon Musk's sister on and mom and people like Rick Ross and all these different walks of life from entertainment mm -hmm. to business to tech to finance to whatever you can think of. Um, you know, all the conversations are business focused. I try to dive into their story and talk about what they're building and what they're passionate about in a sense. But, you know, I, I look at the podcast as something that I'll do for the rest of my life. And But I go through seasons. Like right now, I didn't, I probably posted one a week this past year or, or maybe skipped a couple weeks here and there because I was super focused on building media kits and sort of my, my mental flip uh, script flipped where 
I wasn't putting as much time and effort into the show because I was focused on building media kits. And I, I think it's completely okay for me to do that, right? Like my podcast is not something that I'm like, this is a full-time job in a sense. It's just something that I love doing that I know over time it has already grown and adapted so much that um, I'm just you know excited to continue having conversations with people. And most importantly, and I know this is a long answer, um, it's just that vehicle where no matter who I meet with, right, running into someone at Little Lunch to meeting someone at an event, like having a podcast is just for me an excuse to have a deeper conversation to, you know, to capture it in that moment in time and to put it out to the world. And I think that's super special, especially if you look back in 30 years out about at the early relationships that were like foundational in, in my career or anyone's career, like having a podcast is a great way to do that. A hundred percent. I tell people it's like a fantastic foot in the door oftentimes to building a new relationship because, you know, oftentimes you, you have a platform and I mean, at this point, man, it's, it's incredible to see not just the, the level of, of guests that you are able to, to bring on, you attract for sure the right people to the show. I mean, 400 plus is <laughs> no joke. Uh, you really dove into it. And I think you said something there too, that stood out to me. It's like, dude, of course you've earned the right to do one a week after, you know, all of these years of doing it. <laughs> it's okay to go through these seasons of different points and different focuses. Um, so that just stood out to me because yeah, there's definitely, I mean, this show has gone through seasons by myself um, of twice a week, three times a week. And now it's yeah. back to one times a week. And it's just like, this intuitively feels right. And, you know, that's just the season of life that yeah. you know i'm in now that kind of leads me into like what is the current season of life that you're in like what's the current focus for you now you you brought up media kits you just recently had an acquisition of that um you and i have talked previously about nil and that focus as another part of your business ventures podcasting obviously if you had to sum it up into to one area or or is it many areas where is that focus for you yeah, I would say, you know, I am, I'm very, I'm very thoughtful about my next big move, right? I, I think that, as you said, my company Media Kits recently got acquired. We announced it like last, early last week, which has been a, a deal that we've been working on for the past handful of months now. So it's feels very great to uh, get that all finalized, and I, I've just been super excited about it, right? Because, you know, we launched Media Kits just over a year ago. Like we got, we signed the LOI to get acquired 11 months and 11 days after we launched, which is very quickly in terms of a, a tech acquisition. And, you know, for those that don't know about Media Kits, we built a platform that allows creators of any kind, podcasters, musicians, like this, uh, you know, the normal social media influencer to create a media kit or a digital resume with real-time data and analytics. And, you know, really how this journey began was back in 2017, uh, I met one of my good friends, uh, Kieran O'Brien, and we we actually met right after I was flown out to Tyler Lopez's house because he saw me in a live stream with him. And I, I just like telling the story because it's I think it proves a point where you know one of my favorite quotes by Steve Jobs. I'm gonna butcher it, but it's just you can't connect the dots looking forward, only looking backwards. So trust in you know in, in destiny and karma or whatever that things will connect uh, in the future. Mm -hmm. We met in 2017. And we had a friend who was a massive automotive influencer. His name's Jeff J.R. Garage. And at the time he came to us and was like, hey guys, Pennzoil just reached out to me. They asked me for my media kit. Can you guys make me one? I know you guys are in the marketing world. Uh, let me know. So we ended up making him one on Canva, Photoshop. And he ended up getting the, the deal with Pennzoil. And then three weeks later, he comes back to us and was like, hey guys, Ferrari contacted me. They want to fly me down to Daytona Beach, Florida to do this brand activation Can you go update all my my data and my media kit because it's completely outdated now because he had a video go viral and his demographics are different so like sure so we're changing ones to twos and threes to fours and that's really when we asked ourselves why isn't there a way for creators to create a media kit that never gets outdated and then on the other side why isn't there a way for brands to view trusted and verified creator data when making a decision to work with them so that's when we had the idea and then we ended up shelving it because I was in high school, just started my podcast. I, Kieran, he was just starting his marketing company and we just 
put the idea aside. I think a lot of us do that, right? We have these ideas and we don't execute on them. And that's, it's not that it's okay, but you know, there's, t- everything's about, I think in business, like the right timing to do mm. things, right? Like there's so many examples of, oh, this would have worked, but the, you know, timing wasn't right. And to put it on the back burner. And then fast forward to 2020, Kieran and I were now living in Arizona. We're roommates, COVID happens, TikTok's really blowing up. And like late 2019, early 2020, and we're like, hey, like we just sort of circled back on this idea. We're like, you know, I think that media kits and the creator economy is growing so much. Uh, like, let's put some time into this. So the the second half of 2020, we just started ideating on it. Uh, you know, hired a designer to really paint the picture, bootstrapped it from the beginning, and then right around early 2021, you know, last year, that's when we really dove in and made it our full-time gig and we're beyond serious about it where we raised a family and friends round raised 1.25 million dollars from you know february march to august when we launched in 2021 then we launched the company uh, august 2021 we had this massive launch party here in la we had with Khalifa come out and perform we had like 500 creators there and you know there was a lot of learning that went into you know actually building this MVP of a tech product to launching it to to finding some type of product market fit and traction to then coming in 2022 um you know like continuing to build and grow and getting acquired I, I think that you know I could dive into that for so long in terms of the lessons and the directions we could have gone in but I'm beyond excited about uh the acquisition that took place we, we got acquired by a company called Viral Nation which is a massive uh, marketing agency, uh, massive team up in Toronto, they're based in Toronto, Canada, and they work with a lot of Fortune 500 brands running their influencer marketing at scale. They have a um, an entire talent roster of 500 creators that they manage exclusively, and then they have an entire tech ecosystem that they've built. And um, you know, MediaKits is now part of that. So, you know, it's exciting for me because at, at 22 years old, being able to say, "Hey, we built and sold a tech company in 11 months," it's it's crazy to think about. And um, I, I think to your question though, in terms of the future, um, you know, I am and Kieran sticking at Viral Nation for now and excited to dive into their team and really just not only bring value through what we're, what we're doing at Media Kits, but there's so many facets to what they're building mm-hmm. that I know Kieran and myself have experience in that will be valuable to them. And, you know, one thing as a founder, I believe as well, was making sure that our team is, taken care of. We had a small team of seven incredible people and all of them are now a part of Viral Nation. So that makes me happy. And I think just taking it day by day and, and really, again, coming full circle, like being thoughtful about um, my next big, you know, company or, or, or big uh, decision and step forward, because I think that, you know, I, I'm 22. And I think that these years, 22 to 30 to 35, just being intentional about what you're building and actually having a a, like a, a thesis around why you're building it, I think is important. Like the timing for media kits was perfect. The the experience of being in the creator space was perfect. And it was a great opportunity at a great time with a, you know, and it just made sense to do. So really just being thoughtful about what's next, uh, mm-hmm. I think is super exciting for me. And I'm excited about this, this phase of, you know, coming out of the acquisition, just, it gives me some time to really look at the the playing field and say, you know, what's next. Yeah. And I think it's also important too, to be able to enjoy what's now, you know, and, and, and all of that. Um, dude, I think that's huge. At what point did it shift from Casey Adams, the personal brand to building and wanting to build something even bigger than you? Uh, was there ever like an exact moment that you look back on that you're like, well, I've built the personal thing. Now it's time to do something, leave a, leave a legacy, if you will, I guess, or something that is larger than just your name. And then what were the challenges that you faced with that shift? Because I think a lot of, I see a lot of creators, a lot of athletes, they build that personal brand if they are successful in it. And then at some point they might feel, I felt this at times, I feel pigeonholed in, talk about identity, bring it full circle, that just one identity now I want to branch out and do, do more. Uh, what was that process for you? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think for, for me and just the whole idea of 
you know, being someone young, initially building this personal brand that opened up all these doors to led to starting and selling a tech company. Um, this day and age is so different because, and, and I thought about this a lot, right? Like when I was first putting out content and telling my story, it was about me being this 16 year old kid in a neck brace and, you know, tell, talking about the books I'm reading and like what I'm dealing with and hoping it inspired someone where I think this idea of like creating a personal brand without ever like, this is not my, like, uh, you know, what do they call it? Um, why am I blanking on it? I'll get back to it. But this idea of saying, oh, I'm going to go build this personal brand and talk about things at times without having, at least for me, like built this successful company or or being able to point to that thing like oh this is why you should listen to me but it's always something that i the like, imposter syndrome there it is yeah like it, it always comes up and it'll you know i think for everyone it comes up at times but the, the transition i think was very natural and it was always something i wanted to do and i think that everyone has these like innate transitions they want to make and i think for me like starting off in this world where i'm just putting out content becoming a creator to then launching the podcast and interviewing all of these successful uh, like entrepreneurs and business owners like my whole goal was to since i was 17 before starting the podcast was build an incredible network so that when i have that like big idea that i want to go execute on software direct consumer whatever it was but like before i even knew um i wanted to have these relationships that i could tap into ask questions to um you know if i was thinking about fundraising that I could go to first and like have real rapport with mm. people. And I didn't want to shortcut that. I knew that from age 16, 17, 18, 18 to 20, when we started media kits when I was 20, I knew that there was so much learning to be done. And I was, you know, experimenting a lot from running a media company in Arizona to having an agency to just doing the podcast and all these different facets, like facets of, of things um, where media kits allowed me to really attach myself to, you know, as you said, like something that I want to like, put on not only my legacy, but just something I can point to as something that I built, something that is that's impacted a certain industry and gave me all this experience in terms of fundraising, in terms of hiring, in terms of M&A acquisition conversations. And I think that that, um, you know, those categories of what I've always wanted to do, if I think about like, where I want to be in the future in terms of uh, VC, in terms of building in tech, like this was just my first at bat that really it gave me this opportunity to go learn a lot and to work with incredible people along the way. You know, we had 37 angel investors in our in media kits and the you know, majority of them came in initially from the podcast as guests. Mm. relationships that I've cultivated over the years, people that I love, people that I trust, people that I like that I look up to and that have been mentor figures in my life. So in terms of you know that transition, I think it came so naturally, but it's always something that I wanted to do in terms of um like really building something that's impacting the world. And I think that, you know, these last five years, um, if I look at my life today, like I feel like it's day one and I'm only just getting started in terms of like where I want to be from a business perspective and the ambitions I have. And, you know, I don't know all the answers today or, or, or where I'll end up, but uh, media gets allowed, I would say our team, Karen and I, all the in investors involved. Um, but most importantly, like how I look at it, it was a launch pad for much more to come. Mm. I, I love the, the underlying patience and intentionality that you bring. You mentioned earlier, we have this in common, actually, and I didn't realize it. Uh, both of our moms are special needs teachers. Um, no so way. Shout, out, shout out moms. Yeah, um, shout out to the moms. <laughs> and I, I I, know for me personally, I can only assume or, yeah, I'd be curious to know for you, like the biggest virtue that I've gotten from watching her over the years, which she modeled to a T was this patience element. Is that similar for you as well? Every day when I talk to my mom on the phone, like that's, that's the one word I can pick from the conversation. I'm like, how's your day? If I sum all of what I, what I hear of, it's wow. You were, you're patient. And I, yeah. I'm grateful to have, to be able to take that experience and, you know, soak it in because it, it's hard. It's a hard job. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I hear, I heard it as you were telling that story and it was like, I like to say networking is not transactional relationships shouldn't be transactional and 
it's a fault of a lot of young people. And I think it's a trap that a lot of early starters in any sort of business, regardless of age, can fall into is like, I had that one conversation with whoever and it didn't turn into anything. What the heck am I doing this wrong? Uh, <laughs> so I think that what I heard in, in your answer there was this underlying tone of patience, but then also impatience towards actually taking ruthless action towards where you want to go. And you weren't attached to the outcome. You weren't attached to like, hey, I don't know how this will exactly be. I don't, it will probably will never be a one for one trade. Like, hey, you owe me a favor. You came on my show. Therefore, I expect X, Y, and Z of you from there. So I just wanted to highlight that because that's what I heard. I'm sure someone listening in is maybe early stages of building their brand, building whatever it may be. And I think that is a, a really key virtue to take away. I want to kind of ask in these past five years, if you could boil it down of just in your own life and then over 400, 500 people that you've, these high achievers, so to speak, that you've had the chance to just have conversation with, are there one to two things that you see underlying that are like the the secret sauce, if you will, or is everyone a little bit different? <laughs> Yeah, if I had to, you know, really pick one or two things that have really impacted me across everyone I've interviewed, I think the first thing is just the ability to keep going and to pursue whatever it is you want through the toughest times, or or even better, some of that is just never quitting, right? Like everyone that I've ever interviewed, even to the day where I interviewed them, they're still going, they're still telling their story, they're still saying yes to things and opportunities that come their way. And they truly just don't quit, right? Like I believe so many, I truly believe there's so many people in the world that could be, could have you know an incredible life and be so fulfilled and so happy and so wealthy. They just quit and they they quit on themselves. And then they come up with these excuses to why or or because of X, Y, or Z. But the people that just don't quit and that don't come up with these excuses in life are the ones that get to talk about the challenging times, talk about the times they had to persevere and, and quite frankly, are, are the conversations worth having, right? So that's number one. And then I think number two is being open-minded about opportunities that come up, right? Like Larry King, for example, one story that he told me that I, that I love telling is you know his first day on air um he's he's sitting in the the booth he's about to go live for the first time he's down in miami if i'm not mistaken and his name was larry zeiger and he's about to go on air he's super nervous he's wanted to be in broadcasting for however many years prior and he put in the work from new york to, to getting down to miami to chasing these opportunities to be sitting in the booth about to go live and right before he goes live the the studio manager like gives him a little pamphlet piece of paper, the newspaper. And he's like, you know, Larry Zeiger, that's not it. And they see this ad for King's wholesale liquor in the paper. He's like, you're Larry King. Like right before he goes on air, like he's, he's giving this, you know, Larry Zeiger, this whole new identity. And he's just like, you're Larry King. And then boom, he's on air. He's like, welcome. My name's Larry King. Welcome to X, Y, and Z. And I think that I, that story really impacted me because I think a lot of people in moments like that, they, they would be so afraid. They, they would push away that, mm. you know, not opportunity, but just a moment where you could be so scatterbrained. You are, you have your composure, you keep it together. You, you say yes to an opportunity or, or a quick change and you don't let it affect your, your mental state or how you are living your day-to-day life or, you know, and it's said in a different way without the story is just control what you can control, right? Like not letting outside influences um, bother you. I think out of everyone I've ever interviewed, like that's the key, right? Like they're all in their own lane. They're all really passionate about what they're doing. They just don't quit. And, you know, we're all human. We go through phases of life and things can affect you, but they are just confident in who they are because of you know, practice and trial and error, and they don't let their outside influences, their parents, their teachers, their investors, or whomever, uh, 
steer them in a different direction. Uh, they have belief in who they are and they're just confident in what they're doing. And I think those two ingredients, you know, are, can be very cliche, but it's, it's the truth. And that's why they are cliche, mm. never quitting and, and just sticking to what you believe is, is true. And having that desire to pursue something I think is uh, beyond important. I love all of that. And I would encourage anyone listening to <laughs> go back and listen to that five times over, man. Cause I think depending on when and where you are each you gave a lot of nuggets there each of those will hit different for sure um i want to ask man like right now had a lot of success that aside like work stuff aside like who is casey and like what is your secret sauce if you had to if you could sum it up or you know what's the secret ingredient man yeah you know i'll I'll say this because it's it's relevant and current to like what's been on my mind and, and what I'm journaling about even today, like this morning was yesterday, a picture popped up on my phone. Uh, it was a picture of my friend, business partner, Kieran and I, September 25th, 2018. It was a picture of us at the airport in Virginia, all of our suitcases packed and we're about to go move across the country to Arizona. I, you know, three months prior, I was graduating high school you know, there was an opportunity to go work on this media company in Arizona. And that was like the day when we moved out, right? Like the day that you can always point to like, oh, that's when I moved out of my parents' house. And that was four years ago yesterday. And to think about, you know, like, wow, like I've grown so much over these last four years, like to your question, like I'm the same kid, like, you know, we all like feel that same like childlike state at times. Like I'm mm-hmm. the same kid that was 16 that, read, you know, read a book and felt that fire inside of me, that sense of inspiration, that sense of, wow, there's so much more to do. There's so much more to see, um, like that innate curiosity about the world. Um, I've never felt more aligned with that today coming out of this acquisition. Um, like now like seeing that type of picture where, you know, I'm a, I'm young, 22. Right. And I, and I know that, but sometimes it really, I have to put it in context. I'm like, wow, like four years ago, I was 18, just moving out. I feel like I'm 35 in terms of the, the context experience and all the things that I, I feel like I've, I've done in, in comparison to maybe peers that are my age, um, where I'm just someone that is beyond grateful for every opportunity that has come into my life. I'm grateful for the things that I've said yes to, the things that I've said no to, and for the life that I'm, I'm living and that and the opportunities that I know have yet to come, because I, I think that, you know, I've lived with uh, my incredible girlfriend, Jacqueline, for the past two and a half years, and she's helped shape me and, and has helped me in so many incredible ways um, to my business partner, to the relationships I've formed here in L.A., where I'm truly just excited about the future and mm. and this state of extreme gratitude because and again I know this is a long-winded answer to your question but seeing that picture of myself at 18 ready to move out and and if you think about it anyone who's listening right like point to a moment uh, or a day that was just a day that you will never forget a day that you were physically and 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 in this real world experiencing massive change, right? Like all of my belongings, and I know I'm making this such a deep point, but there's a, there's a reason to it. Like all of my belongings, everything that I've known back home, moving out across the country with no direction or plan or college experience, like the unknown. Um, and that, that was exciting. So for me, it's like in today's current version of myself, it's just embracing the unknown and like being very meticulous about where I'm spending my time, who I'm spending it with, what I'm spending it on. Mm. Uh, because the same way you could, uh, you know, I couldn't have told you last year on August 11th when we launched Media Kids, like, hey, in 11 months, you're going to get acquired by this epic, massive conglomerate company in Toronto. Like that was an unknown even 12, 13 months ago. Right. So embracing that and getting excited about it, I think fuels me every day. Um, but, you know, execution is a byproduct of that. So just spending time on doing things that move me forward on a day-to-day basis, I think are, you know, what I love striving towards and where I spend my time. And as you said in the question, what I'm excited about and who I am today. I love every single piece of that, <laughs> dude. Um, it, again, more and more nuggets. 
Um, I want to be respectful of your time and want to end with closing tradition. Here we have is uh, the fast five, five, one sentence, one word answers, kind of rapid fire to speed things up here. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. First one, aside from your own podcast, what's your go-to podcast that you're jamming to lately? Definitely my first million. That podcast is phenomenal and it's just, it's funny. It's cool. They talk about interesting things and I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, number two, favorite book that you've read in the past year. Ooh, past year. One that popped out was the story of Michael Dell. I think it's, uh, why am I blanking on it? It's Michael Dell's biography, like be nice, but win, I think. Mm. And his story is just crazy. And why it was so impactful to me is because I was recently like four weeks ago in Hawaii and the property that we stayed at was owned by Michael Dell. And I remember him talking about a story of him and Steve Jobs walking around a property in Hawaii about this Dell Apple merger partnership thing back in the day. And I just placed such significant on that book because I was like, wow, like this, that's really cool. So definitely that book was super impactful. Dude, you're in the energy there. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> Number three, what is a quote that you live by? Uh, let me actually, I don't want to butcher it. The Steve Jobs quote that I said earlier, I know I butchered it a little bit, but I, I actually have it pulled up right here. It is, oh, not that. I have to get it right. It's on my Twitter. It's a part of my Twitter thread that I recently posted. So, you know, you live by it when it's close by. Yes. <laughs> Oh, actually, one second. Sorry, everyone. It's actually on my LinkedIn. Back to that. <laughs> so I, I think Steve Jobs, right? Everyone looks up to him in some fashion or, or looks at his the impact he's made in the world because you're using an Apple computer or you're using an iPhone. So he has a quote. It says, oh my gosh. Here it is. He says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and has made me, it has made all the difference in my life. Mm. I try to read that every day and just put my trust in that because I think it's more true than ever right now. It goes with the focus, right, of just trusting the unknown and, and going off into it. Number four, what is something that you can't live without? Something I can't live without the gym. Mm, <laughs> I think like true athlete. Like, you know, heart. even on days, <laughs> so like just the gym or physical activity, right? Like I think that everyone knows it's so incredibly valuable to health, but the mental state that like even today, waking up like oh you don't want to hit the gym, but you're just going and doing it. The the level of just the fresh mindset I have every time I work out and the focus is nothing beats it. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I couldn't agree more. Number five kind of already asked this question, but if you could sum up focus right now into one word, what is it? My focus today. Mm -hmm. Progress. Love it, dude. Focus on it. progress. Casey, man, I just want to acknowledge you, the the way that you show up, you, you, the way you carry yourself as well. I mean, the moment that you and I met was just like, so happen chance we're, we're in line at, at Little Lunch, or I think we're in the actual parking lot. And it's just like, you heard me having a conversation with someone else. And you're like, yo, that sounds really interesting. And then one of my favorite parts, uh, I think LA gets a bad rap, but I felt like I was very fortunate in my time there where I would meet people like yourself and they never talked about themselves like they were like this huge deal and then i would like just be really curious and i want to learn more about this guy and i'd go look you up and i'd be like oh shit like this guy he's got a lot of things going for him like but you carry yourself very humbly and i really admire that so i want to acknowledge you for that first and foremost and then also plug where people can find more of you and and what you're doing in the world uh, because it deserves more eyeballs on it man Thank you so much, Corey. 
And, and and same to you, brother. And this been this has been such a honor being on your show, and it's been such a fun time. Uh, but before we wrap it up, the best place to find me, best place to get in touch, is definitely just Instagram. I'm just at Casey on there. Spend a lot of time on there, messaging people, uh, obviously putting out content. But that's that's definitely where I spend a lot of my time in terms of just where I like to communicate with people. Um, and then the podcast is the Casey Adams Show. Also trying to be more active on Twitter. It's just Casey Adams on there. So hit me up wherever and I'll, I'll definitely try to, to get back to anyone if you have any additional questions. But yeah, that's the best place to find me. Beautiful. Appreciate you tuning in today. Remember to share this episode with someone that you care about because together we truly do go far. And until next week, flow on, my friends. <laughs>